Hey guys, welcome back to the Alpha Artist Podcast, official podcast of digital and creative media works, where each week we take something from pop culture and try to break it down to better understand it. My name is David. My name is Ben. And we're here for another week of our program, another week Dear of our God, show. Dear God, why are we here? We can't, you can't stop us. No. We're contractually obligated. God damn it. It's like a sickness. Um, but you know what? I was like, you know, this month was my birthday month, so I figured what better way to sort of celebrate... Um, my continued existence than to talk about stuff that we actually enjoyed. Hooray! So I'm curious to see if you liked this week's uh, particular film because yeah. it, it's a it's an interesting one. Um, another detective another story, yep. another. So this week we are talking about the genius of the nice guys, which of course, if you're unaware, is a 2016 neo noir comedy directed by Shane Black, written by Black and Anthony Bagarozzi. This did you know much? Okay, so no, we, <laughs> again, uh, no, again, really, okay, because no. this was like kind of an indie hit at the time. Never seen this. Um, one. do you know much of Black's work? No, he's done like the Lethal Weapon films. Um, he's done some oh. stuff with um, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Like he's kind of right. He's a fairly prevalent like Weapon films. comedic director. Jesus Christ! Yeah, he did Iron Man three. Really? Yeah. Oh. When I explain it later on, you'll understand the the kind of parallels. But okay, what before we get to the summary, like what? Yeah, what did you think of this? Because I didn't tell you anything about this coming. No, into you it. just said Norma- it's on Netflix. Go watch it. Normally, I, I give like, Ben like right. a preface from like, oh, it's this, or it's like, like no, you I don't. just I was like, you never give me anything. <laughs> I told you about with uh, I was thinking of Serenity. Where I was like, it's a video game film. That was about it. But then you forgot. So. Yeah, I completely forgot. So I'm not sure relevant. Yeah, what what did you think? Tell me about it. Um, I thought it was okay. I th- I didn't think it was as strong as. That film we watched last week, which I've already forgotten the title Brick. to. Brick, yeah. I didn't think it was strong as that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It was Ryan Gosling. I like Gosling. Was it, did you have fun? Yeah. yeah I had okay. fun. That's good. It's probably about as much as I had. Okay, let me ruin it then. <laughs> okay. I have so much to ruin this film with. Sure. Because I don't know. I mean, if- I just have... I have complaints. I can ruin it. I don't... Well, no, I mean in the Sweet sense of like... ruining... Well, it's called the genius of this film. I, don't think. <laughs> I quite like it, but I, I I think that it's it's a film that's not about itself. Um, oh. We can kind of get to it. I have a I lot of like philosophy to unpack. Fails narratively. I disagree. But, sure. but maybe maybe what maybe what we'll find out is that your disagreements are what it's trying to do. And <laughs> right. That, and that sure. But as usual, that doesn't make, it, doesn't make it good. But means okay. that at least he tried to do something. Sure. I'd love to get your thoughts on what it's at least attempting to achieve. Right. And then from there, we I think can, I know. What? From there, we can maybe go from. Yeah, I think from I know there. what it's attempting to yeah. achieve. Yeah. Um, and shockers for those of you playing along at home. There's a sad dad in this, so I connected to it. Fuck you. Oh I'm yeah. Not, I'm not predictable. There, are, yeah. There I'm is versatile. a sad dad in this. Yeah. He doesn't get that sad. He just gets a bit. Well, he's a bit of a. He's a. Uh, he's a lofty dad. He Freudianly cuts his wrist. We'll talk about it. Um. Okay. <laughs> in uh, let's get to the summary and then let's get to the meat of this one. In 1977, Los Angeles, drunk, down-on-his-luck, private eye, Holland March is hired by the aunt of recently deceased porn star Misty Mountains to find the dead actress. March ends up tracking down Amelia Kuttner, who hires the bruiser Jackson Healy to scare off March. Healy is interrogated for Amelia's whereabouts by two mysterious men, but manages to fight them off. March and Healy, now in pursuit of Amelia, end up learning that Amelia was working with Missy on an experimental film that combines pornography and investigative journalism. <laughs> the two infiltrate a party, and during his drunken antics, March finds the film's director dead in the garden. Healy, meanwhile, learns that a hitman called John Boy has been ordered to kill Amelia. March and Healy meet with Amelia's mother, Chief Justice Judith Kuttner, who pays them to bring Amelia back. March and Healy head to the airport, but are too late as John Boy is already there. Though through sheer dumb luck, they find Amelia and take her back to March's house. 
Amelia reveals that her mother is trying to destroy the film as it reveals a conspiracy to cover up a catalytic converter that is supposed to regulate emissions, but actually doesn't work. March and Healy are betrayed by Cotton's assistant and head back to March's house. They engage John Boy in a gunfight. Amelia flees, only to be shot dead by John Boy during her getaway. March and Healy have no evidence to take to court, but with the help of Missy Mountain's aunt, they conclude the experimental film will be shown at the LA Auto Show. The two are intercepted by Tally, but evade her, eventually being drawn into a chase and fight with John Boy and his goons. March and Healy come out with the film in the end. Cutner is arrested, but laments her daughter's death. March and Healy formulate their own agency, named The Nice Guys. Credits. There's a moth flying around the set. Is it? It's wigging me out. Is it too big? Are you scared of moths? No, uh, it's not. It's not big enough to be scared, but you didn't shut the fucking door. Wait, so. We'll get some air coming in. It's winter. We'll get some fresh air coming in. We'll get some moths in here as well. We'll just, get some moths in this Just dust boy. it all up. Yeah. Uh, I obviously skimmed over some stuff, but like, I guess like plot wise, um, it's a fairly straightforward detective story. There's a body at the start. Um, <sighs> yeah. Did, did you not feel that? Or was it like... Well, too- I felt like the... The the mystery they were trying to sort of present, like there was no like I guess you know there's the classic elements of a who done it you know who killed Miss uh, Misty Mountain what's her name is that her name you Misty it, Mountain yeah, okay. Misty Mountains yeah um this is like who killed Missy Mountain but it's you know, it's never you never really give a shit really it's, not, it's not the central focus of the film but for me even like the I felt like they were trying to go for a I can't think of any sort of... No, I can't because I wrote this down. Like, they were trying to go for sort of like a hot fuzz thing. So hear me out. Where, <laughs> where I'm with you. Where in hot fuzz you have like this... These characters. It's, it's a buddy cop film, for one. Um, and they're in this sort of ordinary world that seem... And like there's like this... They, they sort of... There's these seeds of of mystery going on where you where it's sort of like oh there's something bigger going on but surely it can't be that because that would be ridiculous you know in hot fuzz it's the fact that there's like a fucking sacrificial cult and you're right. like no that's ridiculous like that's dumb and there's all this evidence like there and against but it in in the hot fuzz it's like it turns out there is a suicidal cult or sacrificial cult right. the same and, with the world's end which is a similar thing where it's like oh, like there are aliens, aliens. Yeah. yeah but in and i feel like they were trying to do a similar thing with this with like the whole they were trying to play this line of, ah, oh, you know, like she's, you know, all these like porn stars are all these people running this porn shoot are dying, and you know we, you know, there's like these protesters who are protesting against the air, and like she's part of this protest group, and she's like, you know, she's got the word out, and her mum is trying to kill her because, and it's like on that on one hand that's like crazy, and it's presented in the film as being like this wacko idea because you get the other side of the story, where it's just like, oh, I just want my daughter to be safe, and it's like they're doing that thing where there's like these two conflicting ideas and it turns out that the world is crazy and it is a whole conspiracy but you never really get enough of either perspective to where like like any of them are believable like you don't believe you don't really believe the justice department well i guess you do because that's the that's the element of norm like normality in this world so like you inherently believe them but you don't you don't really get enough perspective from the like the whole conspiracy angle to where it's like to where it becomes believable even when you know like the the fake money in the in the in the box and the 
and you know like this the her like secretary who was like clearly a bad guy and you know you've got this john boy mm-hmm. character it's like all of this is going on and they're clearly even when like they've there's clearly like a mark in the film where the writers went at this point the audience will know i was still like yeah but like could it like it could not like Inter- there was- interesting interp- interesting that you even compared it to Edgar Wright's work um when Hot Fuzz and and World's End because I think you've touched on the key the key theme of this film well because I for me I just felt that and this is just this is where I'm like narratively it kind of gets a bit weird yeah, where me. the point where you're meant to be like where you're meant to be thrust into the crazy world so for like Hot Fuzz this is like the shootout this is like oh shit like everyone's in on it yeah. like this is wild like everything that you thought was crazy is real is now real and it's right it's just like whacking you versus in the face. like the opposite it's like the whiplash whereas this it's like they, they, they have that they try to have that moment with like the fake money or like I don't know like when it happens it's such a slow drip that even like at the end of the film I was like so there was a conspiracy like i was like so, okay so it's, yeah. it, it sounds like the film worked on you then so <laughs> let's, let's i don't feel like that's working I let's know. okay let, let me try and unpack it for you and then we right. can see oh, then we'll go so i had that. the reaction why did i have this reaction David? okay so the film it's I, it's fucking interesting to me that you you touch on Edgar Wright's work because he has a very similar interest which is subjecting the ordinary to the extraordinary and subjecting the extraordinary to the ordinary right um this film in particular um, is chiefly concerned with presenting opposing concepts in that close proximity. So most frequently, um, as we just described, it subjects ordinary locations to extreme violence and extreme violence to ordinary circumstances to create these little nuanced reverses of cliches. So, for instance, um, at the start of the film, March, like every fucking PI in every film ever, is going to like bust into a bar to like steal these receipts. And instead of like breaking in, he punches through the glass and then like slashes his yeah. wrist to ribbons. And he's like, oh! And it's like the ordinary act of like a private eye breaking into a building is subjected to the horrific violence of like a dude bleeding out on the yeah. sidewalk. Um, uh, Healy fights the older guy in the party and ultimately shoots him through like the side of a hot tub. Like a hot tub is like not a typically violent situation. Uh, March keeps all of his guns and ammo in a fucking cookie jar for some right. reason. Yeah. Um, which is to say that like most of the violence takes place in like open, friendly environments, suburban streets, the hills of you know L.A. That kind of thing, contrasted with you know um, Shaddock's horrific murder, where he's like shot in the head and left by this tree, is subjected to the dumb, normal drunkenness of March falling down a hill. Right. Um. You know, during the standoff in the projector room, Tally, who is like supposed to be like the film's like femme fatale, like oh, she slips, just on, slips coffee. on coffee. Yeah. Like it's fucking dumb, and it solves the problem for them. Right. Um. The same thing with like John Boy's machine gun fire at the house, where he knocks it's over just... a palm tree, and no one gets hurt. Like it's minor cosmetic well, he, damage. He pulls. He, he has like a pistol, and then he pulls out like an SMG, and then he pulls out an AK, yeah, and it's and, just like, like bullets are just popping everywhere except the people. It doesn't make a difference. Yeah. It knocks down a fucking palm tree, and it's cosmetic. And I, I, I think like much of Black's other works, like Iron Man three in particular, it attempts to draw out. What is extraordinary about normal shit? So, like, you know, you're subjected to all this violence, and the story is so obsessed with these kind of these noir elements of like all oh, these cops, the, these private eyes, kind of sleuthing around and stuff. But I, there's an interesting idea of like the film is more concerned with the aesthetics of the normal stuff, so like the aesthetics of like March's daughter and the aesthetics of like this guy Healy who like can't quite put his life together. That sort of thing. Like, it's it sort of, I don't know, for, for me, I think you're right. It never quite lands a foot in either world. But I think that's kind of the point where it wants it to be like, you can have this extraordinary life as this PI with Healy, who's this kind of bruiser. 
Um, but at the same time, you can have like a normal life with your daughter who goes to school and stuff, but you can't, they intersect in weird ways where, you know, right. um, the daughter has the friend over, um, in the evening to fuck around and like watch TV or whatever. And then, you know, Amelia stumbles in and suddenly then they're like there during the gunfight. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's kind of in another film that would never happen. You know, he would, he would put his family in a car and they'd be trundled off and they get kidnapped later. But in this one, they're just in a fucking cupboard hiding. And I think that I want to, I want to kind of touch on some not philosophy but touch on some definitions and some things and then see what you think about them sure so the stanford encyclopedia um discusses everyday aesthetics as this i'm just going to quote and just read off a quote from lady thomas from 1995 um and it says and i quote the aesthetic appreciation of everyday life requires defamiliarization making strange or casting an aura because we are most of the time preoccupied by the task at hand in our daily life pragmatic considerations mask the aesthetic potential of commonplace objects and ordinary activities once we experience them with a different attitude and perceptual gear, we can unearth latent aesthetic value in the most ordinary routine. End quote. Which, to make it not brainy and yeah, dumb... what the fuck does that mean? That's to say that um, this film is chiefly concerned with taking everyday ideas, you know, a drunken failing father, a house that you never built, a swimming pool that's empty, a guy who wanted to be something he's never been, taking those ideas that we all experience every day and subjecting them to the violence of this thriller noir story reveals to us, the reader and the audience, what is important about everyday life. So it has this message about, you know, we can't, because we see shit every day, like, you like, oh, it's like, you know, you walk past that mess every day on your, your coffee table and you don't think about it. Right. But the minute that, you know, someone takes the coffee table and the mess, they put it in the middle of the fucking street. You're like, oh, the table's real messy. Like, it's, it's that kind of um, shock to your system. Right, okay. Um, which is a weird example, but I, th- I think the extra violence and the extra normalcy clash to create this weird, like, I don't know, there's a focus to this film where the violence is focused by the normalcy of what's going on around it. It's like, you know, when you have a gunfight, normally you expect, like, cool swelling music and, like, you know, it's it's a cool location that's set up choreography-wise to be, like, a cool gunfight. But, like, it's uh, some dude's living room and someone else, like, poorly hiding behind a wall and trying yeah. to shoot, doing it poorly. Like, none of, none of the violence is very good. It's all very awkward and even the fist fights feel awkward. And I think... Same with the real life, you know, his his relationship with his daughter is kind of awkward and weird. His relationship with Healy is kind of awkward and weird. Like, it all kind of mirrors each just, other. He's just kind of awkward and weird in general. Well, but I guess that's like, what that's what people are, right? You know, like, March is this... <laughs> he's just the perfect person. He's just like the, or the atypical, like, or the, the arch person. Like, he's like, yeah. you know, he, he's doing his best, but I think they both are. So, like, March is this lonely drunk who's, like, seeking purpose, and then Healy is, like, so desperate to be needed and wanted that he kind of... Like, he kind of takes advantage of March's lack of competence to feel important. There's an element of that where it's like, it's kind of subconscious, but but I think when you're talking about this idea of, oh, you come out of it being like, I don't know what's real, the the extraordinary or the normal stuff. I think the idea is that none of it's real. What's real is the relationships between those people. Yeah, I guess. Like, there's, even when they do sort of finish, you know, they save the day or it's not save the day, when the story is over. When they've done all this, the, they've done all the things. It's like it's they're just kind of back to normal. Mm-hmm. You know, they he makes the comment where it's just like nothing's changed. You know, like some some goes up, and some, some goes, goes up, some goes down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we'll all be driving electric cars in five years right. anyway. And yeah, you know, so it's it's that kind of. Would yeah. you take that as nihilism or just? I don't know. I take that as like setting up a sequel. <laughs> no, I think it's. That like return to normalcy, and especially when when that becomes the point where they're sort of named as the nice guys, despite the fact that that's the name of the film. It's also ironic because they're not. 
Well, yeah, apart from that. <laughs> but it's... Like, yeah, the, inside me, it's just like, they're setting up a sequel, but... Interesting, I, I never saw that, because I... I, I, I mean, that's, that's how you set up sequels. You give... You, you, you form the team at the end of the film. <laughs> right, but I guess for me, like, I don't know, maybe I'm just like... We talked about this before, I don't really have that... But I mean, given that this didn't get a sequel... And I also I also have that cynical lens where I or that that the opposite of cynical where I'm like I choose to I have that naive thing where I'm like I just want it to be good. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You don't think that? I mean, when did this film come out? Twenty uh, twenty seventeen, I think. Yeah. Oh, that's like prime sequel prime territory. Yeah. Okay. Well, here's another question: When you went through the film, like, did you judge any of the characters? Like, were you looking at like March and being like you're a shitty father, looking at Healy being like you're not very stable? Like, did you go through that process of being like the evaluation of them as people? I think, like, I don't know, with March and Holly, I got some, like, kick-ass vibes mm-hmm. from the first kick-ass film with, uh, what's her name? The, shit, what's, what's her, I don't I've know. never seen kick-ass. So. Really? Yeah. Okay, well, uh, Nicolas Cage and <laughs> the lead female, fuck, I don't know her name. Played by um, probably one of the Fannings. Oh, it's, yeah, no, it's not Dakota Fanning, it was played by, like, Chloe... Grace Moretz. Grace Moretz. Sure. Yeah, we'll go with that. Why um, not? <laughs> yeah, they've they've got that kind of relationship where it's like, I guess where <laughs> where she's like, kind of been trained to be also like the adult mm-hmm. of the family. I guess in this one, yeah, like uh, what's his name, Merv Moratz? No, it's Moratz and Chloe. What are you talking about? In this film, yep. Who? Uh the Goss. Oh, anyway. Ryan Gosling, March. March, yeah, that's the one. So it's like the, I don't know, the presentation of like March being the child and her being the adult. Yeah. Like, I don't know, it's like, it's one way to do it. But like in in that process, were like, were you looking at them being like, oh, this person's good, this person's bad? Or was it more like, did it get into that like flavor country of that middle ground where you're like kind of, you look at Healy and you look at March and you look at Holly and all these people involved and you're like, they're all just kind of like doing what they think is the best thing they can do. Or was there anyone that you were like, oh, they're a particular bad... I mean, obviously, John Boy, he's a fucking hitman, but, like, otherwise, was it... Yeah, like, I didn't... Yeah, no, I didn't feel that any character was, like, particularly portrayed to be bad in any way. I think part of that is just there was... There's just no consequence for their actions. But then, isn't that... Isn't that... Wouldn't wouldn't you say that could be, like, Black's point? Not to, like, put what... Like, I, I think... You're right. Like nothing ever, nothing anyone does feels so consequential that it feels like, oh, they did a bad thing, right? And like even when, <clears throat> even when March goes when he's at the first party and he gets wicked drunk, it like it helps. Like it, it he solves, solves the crime. The crime. Yeah. Um. Like he's a bit, and then like after that, like he's perfectly capable. Like there's no consequence of him being drunk. He's just kind of, mm-hmm. he steals a car. Um. And then like when they play it the second time, as that kind of like, um. I don't know that subversion, although it's like super obvious that it's coming. It's yeah, but you're I, like, I, I guess you I, know, I, I even think the first. I think the first instance says, says something about like being a drunk idiot. Like I, I don't know. I, I, I think a lot of films. I would, mean, it. Well, I think it just because even, like I, it's an important development of both of their characters and like how they work as like a buddy cop team. It, it sets up the right. rest of the film. But even even outside of like the character development, I just think as like a, as a thesis statement like this idea that like even though like he's like okay, so the ordinary circumstance is you're a drunk idiot on like a Saturday night, right. you fall down a hill. The extraordinary is like, you know, you um you're on this like PI trail of some fucking porn star who killed yeah. whatever and it's like whatever, it's like all mystery and stuff. But I think the idea that like both things are perfectly acceptable. Like he falls down the hill drunk and he helps solve a problem. Like I think it's saying that even though it's ordinary 
There's nothing actually wrong with, like, sometimes getting drunk and falling down a hill, but there's well, also then, nothing you know, wrong and with... And then they, they chuck a body over a fence and it slams into a table. Right, like it's... A, it's what looks like a prom night or something. It's like, it's... There's a lot of, like, I don't know, it's bathed in kind of this dramatic irony, but I guess it's cool to me that... I don't th- I don't think the film ever, like, justifies or acknowledges or kind of forgives the violence or, or forgives, you know, March's drunkenness or says, oh, he's good or he's bad, but I think it's less interested in judging and more interested in saying, look, wherever you are, whatever you're doing... Life is awkward and weird and messy. You're probably, like, it's probably going to be fine. And there's something about that that, like, even, like, the kid on the fucking bike who's, like, of no help whatsoever who, you know, saw Missy Mountains die or whatever. Like, he's a shithead, but at the same time, he he facilitates the plot in a way that's very anachronistic. And even though he's unhelpful, he actually helps them. Like, I don't know, there's something about this film I like. Like, Black's work in particular, he seems to get that you can be an unhelpful asshole but still contribute. Yeah, like and you, it, you, do you know what I mean? And I think they they hit that middle ground perfectly because there's like I don't say that this film has like a happy ending, even though like they they succeed in the end of getting the film. You know, none of them die. Mm. You know, there's no like you know the the daughter doesn't die, which is like I was just waiting for that to happen, and it doesn't. And I was but like, that doesn't okay. really happen in real life. So why would it happen sure. in this film? You know, and then like <clears throat> you know you've got you know that they didn't you know they failed in like their original task which was to get amelia mm-hmm. but then they kind of you know they succeeded in getting the film and getting rid of johnny boy mm-hmm. but then like you know still failed in like just overall just the world they didn't really win changing. like nothing really changed yeah like which... it's it's like a you know if like a superhero film ended with just like not much happening. So, like, Guardians 2. <laughs> where they just kind of live. Right. Yeah, like, I don't it's know. just like, yeah. there's no success. It's just... You just didn't die. You just didn't lose. Which I guess is, like, that's I, and that's, that's why I like this film so much. Is it's just this perfect mirror for life. Where it's, like, even though there's all this dramatic, like, gunfighting. Like, all these chases and, like, this crazy shit happening. It's like, yeah, but you also just woke up the next day. Yeah. Like, that... I don't know. There, there's something about Shane Black's work in particular with that obsession with, like, the neo-noir thriller stuff that... He's really good at having the ending being like, yeah, but the main thing is that you you got up the next day. Like, the, the sun went up and the sun went down kind of thing. Um, and, I mean, the whole film is, like, obsessed with mirroring. Um, like, when March punches through the door and he slits his wrist, it's like a perfect physical Freudian slip for his, like, deep existential depression of the death of his wife. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, what? So, when he punches through the door right. and, like, slits his wrist. Sure. It's like a perfect Freudian slip for like his <laughs> his like depression, right? Sorry, that's a, that's a Li- bit of a stretch. <laughs> literally on his other hand, I'm not, this it's not a stretch. On his other hand, he literally has "You will never be happy" written in. Fucking I know, marker. and then it gets like rubbed off weirdly. Yeah, is it? Is the tattoo? Isn't it? Uh, it's not a tattoo. It's because it's because he's using his left hand for his gun hand. Like it's it's all mirroring. Okay. So like, I've watched this one a lot, but like all it's right. but like I don't know. It's like whether or not it's like a you know like oh you like you're reaching for that or whatever. It it does have some permeance to me because it's like. The the violence versus the ordinary stuff is always mirroring in this film. So like, okay. um, Amelia, who is like safe in the house of like murderers, porn stars, big time like party goers, and like this private eye who's on the hunt, millennials, dies in like the street of like a mid suburban LA fucking middle of nowhere street, like yeah. a safe place where people walk their dogs and shit next to a park. Yeah. Like the irony of that, I'm like, okay, that's kind of cool. Um, Healy doesn't like um. Well, the violence too, I think, is like kind of a part of this. Where like Healy, um, played by Russell Crowe, of course, um, he doesn't sort of. It's not like a fucking film where he punches someone once and they just go down. Like these weird, scrappy, awkward fist fights where they seem to like 
draw everyone into this weird state of like can we just end this like everyone seems to be ready for it to be over before it starts <laughs> um and there's this kind of, I don't know, the, the idea that Black talks about when he talks about violence is that violence is a gap in the fabric of order. So he, he talks about this idea that um, violence creates chaos, these pockets of chaos in everyday order, and that it's only after um, Healy beats up March that the whole film starts. Right. Just kind of curious. So, like, violence is the gap that kind of creates the spark that lets this plot happen. Um, and I think that, like, Ever After, it's it's a great kind of mirror for the fact that the reason that March is so fucked up and vulnerable is that something as mundane as his... He doesn't have a great sense of smell and that his wife died because of that. Like, right. it's so mundane. Like, his wife dying, it should have been, like... If, if it was another story, it'd be, traumatic. like... It'd be, like, oh, these gangsters killed her because yeah. of my gambling debts. But in this story, it's like, no, you just can't smell so good. <laughs> like, it's that kind of same mirror where I, there's something fucking... There's something deeply satisfying about these characters having these, like, tragic backstories that are so fucking mundane. <laughs> like, Healy, like, wants to be, like, this gunslinger because he punched a dude out in a diner one time. Yeah. I don't know. I, I fucking love that. <laughs> I, I love how boring that is. He's just known as that diner guy. Right. Like, that's yeah. the one thing he did. And, you know, I mean, Black's obviously, like, you know, with Iron Man 3, it's a good example where, like, he's always had these characters in his stories who were these gunslingers. Um, but who, who you know, they, like, wait around. They're like, the West was never gentrified. They're always ready to, like, fight back. Right. You know, Iron Man, he's in this this peacetime. It's the whole point of that film is, oh, it's peacetimes. We solve the world. And then, you know, his house gets nuked and he's ready to go immediately kind of thing. This is kind of the same way Healy has that role where, like, you know, everyone else in L.A. is, like, chilling out, listening to, like, fucking Earth, Wind, Fire, relaxing, maximum Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah, that was a, that was a weird that fucking... That was a weird one. With CG, too, but... Yeah. Um, I was like, oh... Like, even March sure. is, like, kind of retired himself to drinking on his fucking... Drinking above his empty pool. Right. And it's Healy, who's the one guy who's, like, ready to gunfight again. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff in this that is just very, like, simp- like simple ideas that are executed well that say very little, but in doing so, like, their lack of saying something is the point. Sure. And that's kind of what I like about this. So when you're talking about, like, oh, when you watch it, you get to the end, you're like, I don't know if the ordinary, the extraordinary, the violence or the, the family shit was, like, the point. Like, you never get drawn into either world. I think that's probably the struggle that Healy and March go through, right? And that's what I think what probably all of us go through is we have this tendency to want things to be that exciting, heightened version of everything where it's like, oh, the the gunfight at the party and the shooting the guy through the, you know, the 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 um the hot tub and like, you know, falling down the hill fighting the body, all that shit. Like you want that, but ultimately life is like mostly the other stuff. Right. Where it's like the boring middle of like <laughs> I go to my job and the thing that happened that was exciting is that my car didn't start or, like, I couldn't find my keys or my watch. I can't wear my watch. fucking PTSD right now. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> th- I think the film's, like, a perfect rendering through this lens of, like, the 70s LA kind of aesthetic and through this noir kind of thriller. It's it's just the perfect, like, representation of what it feels like to go through, like, life. Right. And you make stuff, like, you make stuff important because you feel like it should be. <laughs> like, what if, like, this tape, right? Because even Cartner says it when they're used to sort of, um, they're sitting in that in the um in the courtroom. Yeah. At the end. And um she even she's like, it's not gonna change anything. Like nothing's gonna change. And you're like, yeah, probably not. But at the time when you go through stuff like that, we always talk about this, like when you go through things that matter to you, it feels like it's gonna change the world, it's gonna change your life, but it never fucking does. Right. You wake up the next day as the same person. And this film for me, and I'm I'm just like I, maybe I'm like reaching too far because that's always <laughs> what I end up with. But like, I don't know, I th- I think yeah, that the idea that an experimental porn film that also combines, like, investigative journalism could change the world is fucking stupid. Right, yeah. But also, at the same time, isn't it stupid that he shot someone through a hot tub? Yeah. Like, it's that contrast that, that I think draws this whole thing into, like, an interesting focus. Yeah. Does, I don't know, what does that, any of that land for you, or is it just... It of, does. 
Yeah, but you bit. still didn't love it. Well, I, you don't no, have to love it. I just, I don't know. Like, I enjoyed it, but yeah, I just felt that. Yeah, like, I don't know. I was just missing something. I just, I needed that spice of excitement, which I ush. guess is, which I guess is the point. Which I guess um, is the point. Yeah, yeah. which is unfortunate because it's like I think that's why it's not the biggest. Like it's not super. Sure, yeah, you know, like when like because I, it's I kind think of if, experimental. I think if they did that, it would be like oh, everyone would love it. It'd be like it, no, it'd be a if they did that, it would be a it'd be a bad standard classic no, Hollywood like, trash. Yeah, like detective would, film. Like it just wouldn't be as good, right? But then know, instead, I think it has more value in the sense that it something to chew on, yeah, something to think about. Yeah, which I mean, that's always what we talk about. But that's I, that's why I love this film. Is yeah. it? It doesn't do that. It doesn't get to the end and be like, here's a huge gunfight. It has this awkward like chase sequence where Healy kind of with his like dot arm is carrying this film thing and he keeps tripping over and shit. right. Um, and even like even the the awkwardness of like you know um. Uh, March falls into the the pool, and then the older guy just splats on the pavement next to him, <laughs> and it's just so. Yeah. You're like, like, all right, <laughs> but at that point you're so used to it. And oh yeah, at that stage I was just like, yeah, sure. And even like in every one other gets the pool, one gets the floor. The thing that the thing that drives me crazy about this film is every time the cops show up, I keep expecting them to get arrested, but, but they just that they just, the cops are like, oh, we get it. Yeah, every single time you never see it, but like they're always fine, and I'm like. I- like well, even at the end where like he's holding the, the the thing there's like a cop in the background who's just like sir are you okay sir is there anyone yeah, still inside like, and he just doesn't respond and it's just right. the cop would be like well this guy's fucking useless right like because in a normal thriller he like they he, they have to run away from the cops or yeah but it's like no 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 this isn't that this is like normal life yeah. where the cops the just kind of just arrive yeah they just arrive and they do the job yeah and that that to me is like i can like, it encapsulates the whole like idea of this film um right it's so fascinating to me. Shane Black is such a weird director. Um, like, he did Lethal Weapon 1 and 2, and then, like, Kiss Kiss Bang oh, Bang, God. and, like, Iron Man 3. Like, it's a yeah. weird fucking mix. It's but, a weird, yeah, filmography. But I think this is, like, the the peak of, like, what he was trying to do. Right. For sure. Um, there's something about it that rings so true to the human experience that isn't, like... I think if you gave Jim Cameron this film, it would be, like, this big allegory for, like, something. Or if you gave oh, it to, like... God, yeah. You know, like, other people would make this... and Like, I think other directors would do this, and it would be, like you know some huge message about peace and equality and people and humans and what does it mean to be alive they would, they would definitely like it would be an environmental film right whereas i think i think for for black and i think his whole career proves this is he's so interested in the ordinary but to access that you have to put on that layer of like subjecting it to the crazy shit and because we don't get that in real life we never appreciate what we have in front of us and i think right. that's his whole point is and that's really what like what what emmanuel Kant talks about is that's kind of what what i think black is so curious about is when you do have something so ordinary as the relationship between a father and his daughter and who are both pretty fucked up. Like she sits in a field and reads to no one at night. That's fucking nuts. Yeah. He gets drunk and does, you know, shitty things all the time, but they still love each other and they they have this weird relationship. I think that to me, at least the only way that you can render that in a way that feels realistic and not heavy handed is to subject it to those crazy things and to have it be in the context of, Oh, well she's helping him, you know, hide a, uh, a person of interest in this crazy murder spree, you know, porn yeah. film thing. Um, and it's it's that contrast that draws it all into focus. And it's one of my favorite films for that reason. And it's like, it's on my top 10 list. Like, I think it's just really simple. And without that complexity, it's kind of like 500 days without the time travel stuff. It's simple. Right. It works. Um, I don't know. I, it's just, I fucking love this film. And I, I wanted to talk about it because it's like, that's what we're doing this month is stuff that we love. Sure. And I'm glad that at least you enjoyed some of it and that maybe like, you get why I like it, even if it doesn't do it for you. Yeah. Which is fine. Um, do you have any uh, recommendations for this week? Shit. Because uh, we had a whole conversation before we started recording. You're like, I'm yeah. going to write them down. Nah, I don't know. I started watching Tuka and Birdie. Yeah. Which is the... um, Maybe the, the, Made by the same people who Bojack did Bojack. Guys. We'll talk and about it in the post show, but what do you think? 
top level. Or there's like there's bits of like Bojack in there, but I think that it's very much like repackaged in it's a not way. For us. Oh yeah, absolutely, it's not for us. Um, yeah, I don't think that's bad. I think it's good. It just is. It just is not for us. Yeah. Um, even like you know just. Just like looking at, even when I was like reading the um, like the description of it, I was just like, "Yeah, this is not going to be for us. No, like, it's, it's just not, f- not for us. Right? Which is, f- I'm fine it's just with that. Fine, it's good. It's, it's about f- fucking dying. <laughs> interesting to talk about that, I guess. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, I I, 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 I watched guess that as I've well. Been that. I watched the Secret Garden movie again. Okay. Yeah, yeah that was okay. Yeah. It wasn't great. I've started watching uh, average. Afterlife by Ricky Gervais. Right. Very funny but very confronting um, right highly it's like six episodes highly recommended i've got like two left it's like honestly like you know when you watch something and it just it's just fucking brilliant you're like mm. i have to watch that again yeah it's really good but uh it will make you cry so keep that in mind if you're gonna watch it in front of someone that you're trying to be tough and cool with. <laughs> um so keep that in mind otherwise i've been bumping logic's new single he did he's released a single with eminem it's fucking weird. oh god it's so weird yeah. uh, check that out um Otherwise, where can people find us? Facebook. At DCMWorks Social. YouTube. YouTube.com slash DCMWorks. Twitter. At DCM underscore works. Patreon. Patreon.com slash DCMWorks. <laughs> uh, our subscriptions start at $3 a month. You can get access to over 60 plus episodes of back catalog as well as exclusive Patreon-only video essays, early access to all kinds of information, plus you get a discount on my book, all kinds of good stuff, so head to Patreon.com. Slash DCMworks helps support us, helps us do more of this shit. Um, we have a ton of ideas, so you can go do that if you want to help us out. Um, I'm going to put up a video sometime in the next few weeks about our kind of future plans. Some of you have been involved with that if you're on the Patreon. Oh, Christ. Um, so the keep, future. Keep an eye out for that. Uh, um, get, get your thoughts on that. Future so, scares me. But you can also just suggest topics to cover. So uh, last week we covered Brick, which was a Patreon suggestion, so you can do that as well. Um, otherwise, if you wanted to follow us individually, I'm at DCMHatePie. I'm at Literal Citrus. See you guys. Next week.